0: Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds so that we can hear your word. May your love and grace settle more deeply within us and change us. Amen. Well, this summer in worship, we are learning from the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote this letter not to address a specific problem in a church, but to encourage all the Christians in the region that God has more for them, unimaginably more. Paul wanted to give them courage to face whatever challenges might come their way. Paul wants them to know Jesus more deeply, to experience God's power and love more fully, and to love and serve one another more courageously. Actually, we're seeing some of that here in our church Many of you have noticed that God is on the move right now. This seems to be a season of spiritual growth and change and renewed faith. Many of you are wanting more, going deeper in your faith and relying more than ever before on Jesus instead of on our illusion of control. Many are stepping out in trust, expanding the horizons of their concerns and exploring new kinds of service. What's going on? Well, some people think it's a movement of the Holy Spirit. Some people think it's a movement of the Dow Jones. (laughs) I actually think it's both. If the Bible teaches us anything about when we grow the most, it's clear that we grow the most when we're in trouble and cry to God for help. And God is always coming to our rescue, pouring on his love and his power in our lives. Paul wants the Ephesians and us To experience more love and life, more power and peace, more purpose and adventure. God has prepared for us immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine. Some parts of Paul's letters, uh, this letter, are grand visions and cosmic truths. Today's passage is very personal. Paul addresses people personally even intimately, he reminds us of our own stories and not just the good ones. He writes, you were dead in your sins when you followed the ways of this world, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. Paul calls it death when we follow the predominant culture of selfishness, pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony. It's death when my whole world shrinks down to getting whatever I want, doing whatever I want, when I give in to the temptation to focus on myself. Paul calls it death when we do whatever we want, because we end up hurting ourselves, others, creation, and even God. The Bible calls this sin, and sin only leads to death but god with these two words paul transforms the bad news of human sin and death into the unimaginable good news of jesus christ we were dead but god made us alive with christ right in the midst of sinful disobedient people bent toward selfishness and death god moves in and saves us and he doesn't bother to ask our permission Paul says, even when we were dead, God saved us, resurrected us, made us alive with Christ. Alive with Christ. What does that mean to you? Not just knowing you're saved, but being alive in Christ daily. Do you know what that feels like? Many people in our church experience this. People in the early church experienced this. They devoted themselves to prayer and scripture, to worship and community and service. Although God makes us alive with Christ, there are habits which help us access more deeply what God freely offers. Prayer, scripture, worship, community, service, these ways to experience deeper life with God may not be new to us. But we often have a hard time building our lives around them, making them a priority. But, God, but Paul doesn't want to plunge us into guilt, which keeps our focus on ourselves, on our own efforts to find God. Instead, Paul refocuses us on God, on his love, on his grace. Listen to the language Paul uses. God's great love for us, rich in mercy, his kindness to us in Christ, the incomparable riches of God's grace. Grace is the heart of the gospel. God gives us new life through Christ's death on our behalf. We can do nothing to deserve God's gift of life. We simply receive it. Grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. Paul describes it six times in just five verses. Someone came up with an acronym to help us remember what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. Now this gospel of grace flew in the face of the Ephesian culture. Two weeks ago, Scott uh, described the predominant culture that Paul was writing to. The people around Ephesus were a lot like people around our area. They were affluent, focused on their economy, and used to being in control. They prided themselves on their diversity in religions and sexual norms. They saw themselves as very spiritual, uh, but looked down on Christianity as less sophisticated. Paul speaks truth straight to the Ephesians and to us. Grace is not sophisticated. The gospel is not complicated. God loves you. Jesus died to save you. You can't do anything to earn it. But we want to be independent, to chart our own course, to do do something to be accepted. So Paul is emphatic and even redundant. We are saved by grace It's not from ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by our works, so that no one can boast. All our striving can't achieve what we need. None of our sophisticated self-help can save us. And like the Ephesians, that's countercultural for us, and it rubs people the wrong way. But Paul knows that this simple message is unimaginably good news. God loves you. Jesus died to save you. You can't do anything to earn it. Last week, Terry mentioned how many Christians believe in God's love, but have not deeply experienced God's love and power in their lives. The same is true of grace. Many Christians believe in grace, but they don't experience grace. Its power isn't changing their daily lives. Fortunately, many Christians are discovering grace anew. Chuck Swindoll's book, Grace Awakening, and others like it, have profoundly helped American Christians rediscover the power of grace. In the last 10 years or so, a renewed focus on experiencing grace more deeply has transformed thousands of people's lives. Have you had a grace awakening Are you experiencing God's love and grace more deeply than in your past? Is it becoming easier to forgive others when they hurt you? Easier to pass on the grace that you've experienced? Are you getting better at receiving gifts and asking for help? You know, our children can remind us how to do this. We all used to know how to do this when we were kids. Kids are great at simply asking and receiving freely. If I'm not so good at that, that's a symptom that I have a grace problem. Well, we're saved from death to life. We're saved by grace alone, which is unimaginably good news. But then God God goes far beyond all we could ask or imagine. God has saved me, But not just to save me, that's too small. God has saved me. He invites me to partner with him in sharing God's love with the whole world. To give away what I got. To love others with the love I've received. We are saved for service in God's kingdom on earth. But even with this sweeping plan of salvation, God keeps it personal. Paul writes, For we are God's work of art, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Verse 10 says, God saved us to do good works, to serve, to take our unique place in God's plan of redemption. He has prepared you to be the solution to certain problems in our world. Not just anybody, but you. You are custom designed for specific needs. The word Paul uses here is difficult to translate well poema, from which we get our word poem. It means you are God's poem, God's workmanship, a handcrafted, unique work of art. Do you know God sees you as his masterpiece? but not the kind that hangs up on a wall somewhere. More like a beautiful key designed to unlock some things, but not others. Or consider nature. God crafted each animal and plant for a purpose, and nothing else can perfectly fill that unique niche. When have you felt that God prepared you to serve a unique role? When did the Holy Spirit have you in the right place at the right time? I experienced this when I served as an interim high school pastor. I'd been serving as a volunteer, and when the high school pastor moved on, they asked me to step in while they hired. I was very humbled, um, but I had a profound sense that God had prepared me for this. The whole time I served there, I knew Jesus was the pilot and I was simply along for the adventure. You could say I was in the zone. God was in control and had equipped me for this good work, and all I had to do was follow his lead as best I could. I remember feeling so humbled and so empowered and so exhilarated all at the same time. Being in the zone is undeniably fun. Now, some of the specific decisions I needed to make were not so fun, And I even made some mistakes. But God was leading and redeeming even my errors. And that filled me with joy and with confidence. The God of the universe was bringing love and life through my simple service. It was such a rush for me to see God do far more than anything I could have asked or imagined. What about you? What unimagined thing has God prepared for you to do? How are you created to serve? I encourage you to pay attention to that tug in your spirit, that opportunity to serve that just won't go away. Most of the times I have felt in the zone have been when I have responded to a simple opportunity to serve that just seemed right. Many of us experience this through a Get Connected service opportunity and especially on short-term mission trips. Are you watching for those God moments those opportunities God brings into your path. Our church provides so many opportunities to serve here in our church, in our community, and the world, it can be daunting. But your God-crafted key won't open everything. Every need is not a call for you. If you'd like help figuring out what opportunities might be right for you, talk to the people at the Get Connected kiosk or call the Get Connected office. We all know from experience that we receive back when we give. When I paint a room at my house, it's a chore. But when I paint someone else's classroom with Jubilee, it's great fun. It makes me feel alive and that my simple service has eternal significance. Serving is a powerful habit that breaks the power of self-focus. Serving opens up our cramped world of self to the wideness of Christ's kingdom. Serving grows us, giving us an outlet to share the grace we have received and makes us more alive in Christ. So how is God telling your story in our text this morning? Do you have a story of being saved from death to life? When have you experienced deeper life with Christ through a particular spiritual habit? Do you have a grace awakening story when you experience God's unconditional love and grace in a deeper way? Or maybe God is reminding you of a time when you were in the zone, doing just what God fashioned you to do and loving every minute of it. Think about it. What story does God bring to mind from this text for you? I'd like to challenge you to do something with those stories that come to mind. The Bible teaches that stories have great power. Stories inspire and motivate and encourage us. So I challenge you to let your story encourage others. Our church has established a blog, a web page of stories for you to write a story and read the stories of others. We believe God can grow our church by hearing the ways God is using his saving power in our everyday lives. So go to the church website and click on blog and then on your story and share a story when you experience God's saving power in your life. Take some time today or this week to think about a story and then one way or another share your story with your family, a neighbor, or on the blog. I believe God has led each one of us to be here right now. And some of you haven't yet accepted God's free gift of love. The whole idea of grace is that we don't have to clean up our act or have it all put together first. We simply receive God's free gift. Maybe God is prompting you to take another step today. It's good to pay attention to God's nudges, when our heart starts beating or we have a persistent thought. If that's you, I invite you to come up uh, and talk to a pastor or an elder over here at the prayer room after the service. We'd love to encourage you wherever you are in your spiritual growth. Paul's central point in this passage is that the cause, the reason God saved us from death is God's great love for us. Let us remember God's love above all else. Paul concludes the passage by telling us the purpose for God saving us. So that we would do the good works he prepared for us to do. To join with God's adventure of redeeming the world. We are saved from death by grace for service. Because God loves us. That's the simple but unimaginably good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for saving us as a gift of sheer grace. Help us receive it deeply and share your love in all the unique ways you have crafted us to serve in your kingdom. And we will love you and follow wherever you lead. Amen.